Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. All right, time for our Friday visit with Bill Thielman. Bill is a veteran BC political strategist and campaigner. He's a former Vancouver City Council candidate, and I'm always grateful to him for coming on. Bill, thank you for coming on today. My pleasure, Mike, as always. Okay, Bill, at the top of Thielman's topics here today, let's start with the uh, the dueling announcements here from David Eby and also Kevin Falcon. They were both at this big resource summit, natural resource summit in Prince George this week. And EB announced that expansion of BC Hydro infrastructure, 36 billion bucks. I just had Falcon on the show this morning, Bill. And of course, he's ripping that, that promise apart. And then we talked about the energy crunch here in BC. And he points out how the BC Utilities Commission just said no to a new natural gas pipeline or an expanded pipeline in the Okanagan. This was proposed by Fortis. They say they need more natural gas there. They wanted to expand the pipeline. No public money here. It's a private sector project. And the BC Utilities Commission said, no, 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 we don't need any more fossil fuels here. we got to electrify. So no, turned it down. Falcon, I asked Falcon, if you win the election in the fall, would you approve that pipeline in the Okanagan? Here's what he told me. What it also means for the Okanagan residents is that in the next two years, they could be facing rolling brownouts or blackouts and that's the kind of short-termism short-sightedness that's harming us would so, you would you approve saying, would you approve that pipeline if you if you absolutely. become if you win the election okay absolutely you said his answer was absolutely he'll approve it bill your thoughts well i think that we're going to see energy as an increasing battleground because we've got the issue around the carbon tax and now around this natural gas pipeline um i think that kevin falcon is seeing that there's at least some difference in uh in significant issue here for between them and the ndp and he's hoping to use that to kind of keep the bc conservatives out of the conversation as well so i yeah. think we're going to hear a lot more about those two things uh and and possibly other maybe the ev uh all new cars being sold as have to be electrical vehicle electric vehicles by 2035 that's a, another bc thing so i it's unusual to see a battle in an election in bc over an issue like energy but it could it could well be the case it's uh there aren't a lot of other things for kevin falcon to grab onto at the moment and uh as we saw prince george citizen basically uh you know in in shirley bond's hometown and a fairly uh bc united friendly place said david eby's eating your lunch kevin so wake up (laughs) yeah that was a uh, i read that editorial so this is a, a column in the in the prince george citizen there by the editor up there and man, it was just this withering oh. assault on on Kevin Falcon, just trashing him and saying EB seems to be doing a better job. I mean, the NDP got to love that up in Prince George. They would love to win a seat up there, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> when I worked with Glenn Clark, we had two seats up there. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I remember. So, uh, and, and not since that, I don't think. But uh, Mike, if I can tell your listeners, the the funniest line from uh, Neil Godbout's editorial was. Uh, it said Kevin Falcon and his resource prosperity plan unveiled Wednesday sounded more like Trooper, while David Eby, even if he's wearing a ridiculous winter parka, came across as Metallica. 
<laughs> well, I guess it depends if you're, a, if you're images a, there, a Metallica so. fan or a Trooper fan. I'm not sure I'm, <laughs> I'm not that keen on either of them, really. Uh, yeah, there you but, go. Uh, I'm with you. Okay, let me ask you, let's move on to some uh, next topic here, sure. and that is the SIBA loan deadline. Now, oh we've talked gosh. a lot about this on the show. So this was the Pandemic Relief Small Business Loan Program. Very, very popular. You had hundreds of thousands of small businesses take out these loans. The deadline to repay the loan without a pen, without, uh, uh, without, and without losing part of the forgiveness element of it was yesterday. Yeah. Trudeau asked over and over again, will you give these small businesses an extension to repay that, these loans? Here's what he had to say, then I'll get your thoughts. We extended twice. Uh, the uh, repayment deadline for the SIBA loans, uh, but uh, we are now far enough from the pandemic that we do have to wrap up uh, pandemic programs. Uh, businesses have uh, a number of different options. Yeah, and then he went on to outline that if you don't have the money to pay back the loan, you should go get a loan from the bank to pay it back, and you know they've got low interest uh, p- repayment periods over the next few years. Bill, were you surprised he didn't budge on this? I think by the time we got to this kind of last few weeks, Mike, it didn't look like they were going to do though. Although, you know, as you know, in government, often they make a decision at the very last minute. But uh, I, I am surprised that overall that they didn't extend it because I think, you know, you've got uh, an awful lot of gov- uh, businesses, small businesses that have accessed that loan. And uh, as your listeners probably know, it, it was like $60,000 loan, <clears throat> but you can uh, keep 20000 It's a grant of 20000 if you pay off the other forty by right. yesterday. And yeah. so there was all sorts of small businesses, you know, frantically trying to find money, either getting a loan from their own bank or credit union or borrowing money or putting it on their credit card, because it it's much more daunting to pay off 60000 than 40000 that's for sure. Sure. And, you know, really restaurants are among the ones that have been hardest hit by this. Uh, restaurants, restaurant bankruptcies in Canada last year, 50%. 50%. It's just brutal. So, you know, I, I'm disappointed. I, almost every premier in the province, from David Eby to Rob uh, to Doug Ford in Ontario, completely different ideology. Uh, all, all the, the federal NDP, they're all the uh, CFIB, they're all saying, please extend this. And uh, Trudeau didn't. So, now we didn't hear Pierre Polyev on this either, by the way. Uh, mm. We didn't see Polyev making impassioned pleas to extend the loan. And it doesn't fit in with his kind of slash and cut, don't use government for anything persona. So I'm curious to know how this one plays out in the, in the well, weeks and months ahead, because uh, if the two biggest parties say no way and all these small businesses go broke, who are they going to blame? Is Trudeau and the, Lib- and the Liberals perhaps sensitive to criticisms that this is an overly free-spending government, the deficits are too high, the debt is getting too big, and that he had to put the brakes on this at some point, as he pointed out there, there have already been two extensions. And if you continue to extend these loans indefinitely, isn't that, isn't that basically subsidizing these businesses by Canadian taxpayers effectively? Well, they were subsidized already. I mean, yeah. <laughs> many of them will get the $20,000 grant. I mean, the, the circumstances were unique. I, I don't think this is an ongoing program. The circumstances were COVID uh, just decimated, uh, devastated the retail sector and, and particularly restaurants and, and, and some other businesses. So, I mean, that decision was made before. It was either subsidized by 20000 or, or or not. Uh, but in any case, there was a loan of sixty up to 60000 So yeah. I think that argument had already been made. The question is, and, and you can just be hard-headed business person, about this too, Mike, and say if I if I'm owed billions of dollars, uh, let's just say five billion dollars, and. 
twenty to thirty percent of it goes uh, goes bankrupt, I don't get it. I don't get their money. So I don't think I don't know if it was smart business, alone uh, anything else. But I guess we'll see. But I, uh, you know, I'm I'm looking around at some of my favorite restaurants in the city and and around the country. I think and wondering if they'll still be there by the end of the year. Okay, get set to call me on that. I want to know what the listeners think on this one. Let's finish up with uh, immigration. Now, this is going to be another big political fight in our country here going forward here as we continue to get more revelations about the scale of immigration in the country, uh, the pressures it's putting on housing and other infrastructure in Canada. Really interesting story in the Vancouver Sun this week by Douglas Todd taking a look at the Entrepreneur Investment Program. Uh, under an immigration Canada that didn't really seem to work. The other one that's top of mind for me and a lot of people, I think, are the number of international students in Canada, 800,000 last year, Bill, and new data coming out showing a large percentage of these students. Guess what? They actually don't even go to school. It was like 19% in one federal report, the government's own data, saying that 19% of international students, there's no evidence that they actually attended classes. We're hearing about colleges that are set up that are basically just fake colleges. They're called no-show colleges because the, the students don't show up. We talked about this yesterday on the show. I spoke to Earl Blaney. He's an immigration consultant. Have a listen to this, Bill. We'll get your thoughts. This is Earl Blaney on yesterday's show. There are some people in this industry that uh, have gone as far as to call this human trafficking. Huge volumes of international students that are assigned to a particular college through the visa process never show up. There are some schools that zero of the students who gained access to Canada to enter Canada to be a student at that school have never shown up at that school. Zero. 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 These are like <laughs> schools on paper, but they don't have any students. Spill your thoughts. Well, it, you know, we're, Canada is being played for a sucker in so many different ways in this one. Uh, we've got far too many international students. Our, some of our legitimate post-secondary institutes have become completely dependent on that money because they can charge them four or five times what they can charge a Canadian or a, a British Columbia resident. And uh, as you mentioned, you know, we've got this, uh, we've got this so-called uh, immigrant investor scheme, which yes. didn't work. I, I mean, w- we've got... And then we wonder why our housing prices are so high and our rents are so high. I mean, we're creating internal competition for with with international either investors or students who don't have any vested interest in Canada necessarily. Uh, many of them, many of them do bring money, I guess, but uh, by and large. And then we say, well, gee, that's it, it, weird, isn't it? We can, you know, rents keep going up and housing prices keep going up. At some point, you have to say you can't take 500,000 immigrants and, and a million foreign students into Canada and expect everything to be fine. We don't have that capacity. So, you know, if you, if you think there's a problem, there is. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com.
Okay, phone lines are open. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898, toll-free on your cell. Bill Thielman is my guest. Brenda in Burnaby. Hi, Brenda, go ahead. Oh, hi. I work, and I have a, where I work, we have a South Asian security guard who works by day as a temporary foreign worker in the construction industry. And he says there's a big, Bill used the word human uh, trafficking. They come over on their visa. The company has to pay them a certain amount. The company pays them that amount, and then the foreign worker is expected to cash back to the contractor. He said it's very common practice in the construction industry. He said politicians know about it, everybody knows about it, but nobody wants to ruin the game. Yeah, th- thank you. Well, there are, there are a lot of, it appears, uh, to be a lot of money-changing hands on some of these programs. Like when you think about some of these schools, Bill, that have basically no students, these no-show schools we've been learning about, and how much, who's getting rich on that? I mean, there's a lot of money sloshing around here. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, we, uh, Mike, you remember when, uh, and your listeners will remember, when we started finding out about all of these so-called students who were buying one, two, three, five million dollar homes who had no income and yet suddenly were able to purchase a mansion in Shaughnessy or a yeah. very expensive house somewhere else in the city. And, uh, I mean, you know, people are being used as, as basically cat's paws or pawns for very rich people in, in foreign countries and uh, doing their bidding. And so, you know, this is a problem. We've had it for, for multiple years. You kind of hope that it was getting under control, but then we hear about all these different immigration and international student stories. And again, I mean, I think if people are, this is like being at the at, at the Carney. The, the Carneys are looking for an easy mark, and oh, here comes Canada. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just it's kind of embarrassing. I mean, plus Chinese interference in our elections, which has happened. Uh, there's a lot going on here that's out of control. I think it's important to stress that that Canada is built on immigration. Uh, my yeah. parents, my par- my own parents are immigrants to Canada, and we need immigration. That's this is what f- built the country. So we need more immigration. What we're talking about here is: are the numbers sustainable right now, given the yeah. pressures on on housing and elsewhere? It was interesting to hear Polyev say the other day that he would index the number of immigrants, new new Canadians arriving in the country, to housing starts. So you'd have to have more housing built in order to approve more immigration. And the, and the Trudeau government turning around and saying, hmm, maybe that's not a bad idea. We'll take a look at that. <laughs> I so, wish someone had thought of that a while ago. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's one, that's one factor. At least that would be something. But, you know, again, I, my father came to Canada as an immigrant as well. And there's right. no question we, we need, uh, especially we need skilled, trained workers in certain areas. We need, there's certain areas. That, I mean, obviously we need more doctors, more nurses, et cetera. But... 500,000 people a year, just to me, yeah. for a country the size of Canada, plus temporary foreign residents and uh, and international students. That's an awful lot of people for not an awful lot of homes and things. So, you know, it, it, there's, there doesn't seem to be a disconnect. And the federal government has now said, maybe we'll look at this some more. I mean, yeah, wow. especially especially an international student program that has no limits. There are no caps there at all. Eric in Kelowna. Hi, Eric. Go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to mention, uh, I know the immigrants and the student thing is a big problem, but a bigger problem is uh, across Canada, let's say B.C. as an example, is a 2% uh, increase in rents if you stay put. The minute you move, there's no control in about 90% of the provinces. So let's say rent went up in the last eight years, uh, 20% per year every time you move. 
So this year, the BC government decided to go with a two percent, uh, or sorry, two percent last year, three point five this year, and they right. justified it with a five point six percent average inflation rate. So the reality is, rents are going up twenty percent a year, plus a two percent provincial increase, and they decided this year to go three point five percent on people that are struggling to pay rent as is. So that's twenty three point five percent increase. Thank, thank you, Eric, for that. Well, there are some people who think we should have stricter rent control and not allow rent increases even with a new tenant. Bill, 30 seconds Yeah, left. vacancy control is the is the name of that, Mike. And yes, I think it's time that we, we had that because I know of uh, examples in my own family where, in, where my daughter's building where uh, apartment turns over and the rent goes up twelve fifteen hundred dollars $1,500 a month it's with no changes. So it, it's just it's killing the market for renters and for young people. Bill, thank you for coming on today. My pleasure.